It's the Meg John and Justin podcast. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Eagle-eared listeners will tell that we have new voice in our intro. Yes. We're very, very pleased to welcome um, <laughs> our friend Alex Ian Tuffy. Am I pronouncing your name correctly there? Have I, got, have I nailed Ian that? Tuff- Almost. Ian Tuffy. Ian Tuffy. Yeah. Tuffy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, Welcome very much. Welcome very much. Yeah. Was... Very much welcome to you. Alex. Very feel, much welcome. I feel incredibly welcome right now. <laughs> I'm really feeling it. All welcomes. Um, so uh, we're kind of like, this is like a, an unusual kind of vibe for me because it's the first time I've met my meta author, my meta... Meta author more. Meta author more. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I like that. Term. So we should explain because yeah. not everyone will know about polyamory, but polyamory is like a relationship style where you have more than one love relationship. Mm-hmm. And so the deal with that is that if you have two partners who aren't involved with each other, yeah. then they would be metamors. Yeah. Um, so that's the word for your party, like for that relationship that your two partners have or three or more partners have yeah. if they haven't got like a partner relationship with each other yeah. and we're saying that because I write with you and Alex that means that you are meta orthomores <laughs> I love that <laughs> every day is a school day with us isn't it it is a teachable yeah. moment always a teachable moment learning <laughs> outcomes um, so uh, yeah it's wonderful to meet you for the first time today yes and yes. thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. And uh, this is beautiful where we're taping the, bo- the podcast. Yes. And yeah. I just feel very excited to meet you, Justin, because, well. uh, I mean, I'm always excited to see you, Mac John. But, you know, we've known each other for 14 years. We have. And it's <laughs> the first time we met today. And I really admire your work. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> Gone all shy now. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been reading your really excellent book on gender. What's the, in fact, what's the title of the book? When it comes out? <laughs> this is, we had a simple title and then the, or the publishers went for a slightly more complicated title. Right. But it's How to Understand Your Gender. Mm-hmm. A Guide for Exploring Who You Are. Yeah. Okay. I quite like that full yeah. title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how it kind of comes across to me is that it is like a, a helpful guide for me to figure out who I am and what gender means and mm-hmm. where that comes from and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. it's really, yeah, I, think I think that's really useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, it kind of reminds, like, reading it is kind of reminds me of the, certainly the tone of what we try to achieve with enjoy sex how well and if you want to a practical and and inclusive inclusive guide yeah talk about long titles (laughs) icon books Um, such a great book such a great book I recommend it all the time yay (laughs) it's really nice well I mean I mean also like there were certainly some features that the two books have in common because they were such good ideas that we'd come up with that we sort of transferred to the gender book as well so like having multiple experiences I think was one of them so like whenever we're talking about something where like lots of different people how they experience say bodily changes over time or their different intersections rather than just having like one example you know so and Mm -hmm. I think we kind of we had reflection points and activities as well I think we might have called those different things but it was quite a similar style to have pauses for reflection and I think that's the heart of what good self-help books should be about. It's about really um, getting you as the expert in your own experience to kind of plus some other, you know, information and knowledge and other kinds of theory. Mm. So you kind of put that into practice and to really reflect on your own stuff. And yeah. I certainly found it really mm-hmm. useful for my own stuff. Did you? That's I awesome. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's like 
Um, sorry, I've gone straight into talking about the book. No, we're going to talk we're about we, can, we, can, we can loop around to other stuff. We can Let's start fine. here. Let's, we're, we're, we're in it. We know what, we know what we're doing. <laughs> um, yeah, I found it really... And it, it, I, again, it's like one of the things that we kind of try to say with our book, Enjoy Sex, is that I found this really useful as a... Uh, certainly useful as a cis, white, straight guy mm. um, who, uh, you know, I often I think cis white straight guys think that because that's like a default gender yeah. you'll get given it and you don't think about it and you know I've done a lot of thinking about it myself because mm. that's how I got into this whole area is doing work around masculinities but I think this is the kind of book that's going to be really useful for a lot of guys right. and for a lot of people who, for whom you might down the pub they might think you know what's gen- why are we talking about gender but mm-hmm. actually yeah. everything in that book is the kinds of conversations that men are often having with each other anyway I think Mm. Exactly. And I think that was our intention, you know, yeah. to have the book, A, that we wish we had, yeah. but also the book that we wish we have to recommend to our clients. Yeah. And I know yeah. for myself, definitely when I do, um, I often get asked to do gender trainings mm. and often what people want is a transgender 101, really. And over time, I've really shifted and I always start from this place of reflection of asking people questions about their gender stories yeah. in, a, in a format that's very, they can do by themselves and mm. they don't have to disclose the content. Yeah. But then I always ask them, what was that process like? Mm. And what I find is that everybody has a gender story. I've yeah. done this, mm. you know, hundreds of times mm. now and everybody has a gender story regardless of the gender identity or presentation of their age and and those gender stories are so connected to people's like ethnicity and race and disability mm. and um, mm. class, religious yeah. background right mm. class mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's right and so yeah it's like very much not a book just like aimed at say trans people or women yeah. who would be the groups that have conventionally be targeted by books on gender yeah like as if it's only relevant to them and it's actually relevant to everyone yeah. and also like a lot of the things we're covering like actually are relevant to all different kinds of people like how your mm. gender shifts as you age is relevant to everyone or mm-hmm. even having bodily changes a lot of people like say take hormones at some point in their life mm. um say as part of hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. or as part of contraception mm-hmm. and a lot of people have surgeries at some point in their life that relate to their gender in some way as well so yeah. all of these things are relevant to to everyone not just for a specific group of people and that stuff around biopsychosocial really came out in yeah. the book which is yeah. uh, your favourite word yes. uh, <laughs> in the book so I really enjoyed that and that features in our stuff as well that that um, gender is gender and sex on, and sexuality are um, so complex because it's part biological part psychological part sociological and also the really complicated interplay between all of those things and the relationship we have with all of those things means that that really encourages you i think what i've really got from the book was that it encourages you to to find your uniqueness and actually in your uniqueness there are so many similarities with people with other people who may who we often kind of think may have who a lot of people with like default gender mm-hmm. kind of yes. thing may think well they have this unique se- gender that's very different to ours <laughs> we're joined by some small, small people with oh, us right. <laughs> don't fall in this is what happens when you do um podcasting outside it's right. like the real world I'll let it, I, I kind I'll of love it, it. yeah it fits really well with our book because our yeah. book also has a very systemic feel right how everything yeah. is connected and how gender is connected to all our other experiences and how 
it's um, also connected to a historical context, right? Because we, in the book, mm. we talk about how we have this idea that gender binary has been forever and it's mm. natural. But actually, settler colonialism is really what brought us the gender binary. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, this new thing of gender diversity. I'm like, wow, actually, <laughs> yeah. not so new after all. Exactly. So it feels fitting to be in community with kids running around because it's what we're doing in the book. Like, yeah. let's actually expand the view this is not just an academic subject this is really yeah there's some information that needs to go back to everybody about what's actually happening in the history of gender and yeah. how it impacts you yeah yeah. yeah 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 i think that's so important that um and it was something i really got about out of writing with you alex was like the the sort of sen- that sense of history and the sense of how inter- gender intersects with race with nationality with yeah culture class etc as well and that we really tease that out because um, mm-hmm. it seems it's so important like such an important element of it mm-hmm. i think at the moment it's really essential because yeah. um i don't know if we can get political on the podcast a yeah, little bit but i live in the u.s and mm-hmm. at the moment one of you know mm-hmm. everybody has finally woken up to the depth of white supremacy and mm-hmm. one of the discourses of white supremacy is purity mm-hmm. and so when we think mm-hmm. that there was a pure time when people were only two genders and they were only attracted to the opposite gender. So a time where cisgenderism and mononormativity and heteronormativity were the norm and that that was a pure, a more ideal time. Those ideas are very dangerous, actually. So really dismantling them, really open history wide. So beyond the confine of kind of Western dominant paradigms, it's crucial I think at the moment given what's yeah. going on um, where I live and then also glo- globally with the rise of fascism again. Yeah well, that's right and you can't disentangle um, gender from race in that way because uh, and from colonialism because part of the colonialist um, kind of whole practice was to impose gender on all of these other cultures and often to see other cultures as, ge- as gender inferior mm-hmm. or like too too masculine or too feminine or not masculine enough or not feminine exactly. enough and we get we're left with a lot of those stereotypes today as well because that's the legacy of that whole process absolutely yeah yeah and i think that for me that's when my perspective on gender really started to shift even more deeply was learning from my friends who identify as two-spirit and who had all this wealth of knowledge about indigeneity Mm -hmm. and the diversity of gender that was erased by settler colonialism Mm -hmm. so like my friend kat and like my friend donald and kat who's an ojibwe amazing person and then donald usami Mm -hmm. and really talking about the idea of indigeneity um, actually being inclusive mm. and thinking about gender and sexuality in a very different way mm. than we think about um, yeah. outside of that indigenous knowledge paradigm. Yeah. Mm. I found that really, really interesting and certainly um, uh, not stuff I'd thought about before, um, mm. kind of realised before, the how rooted in um, uh, post, post-colonial capitalism a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff is and how mm-hmm. um, literally difference was wiped out and difference was problematic difference was challenging and that's um and that's still the case now but it's kind of from the other side isn't it and Mm. so uh, that's why that's why normativity still exists because it's needed in capitalism yeah absolutely Um, and class too right it's like it gender is so classed like how you perform being 
um, a man or a woman is really different in terms of a working class masculinity, femininity or middle class or upper class. Exactly, because yeah. when bodies become commodified and a means of production rather than being bodies in relation to one another, to family and to culture, that's where you get the yeah. really deep disconnect. And I think that's one of the things we really wanted to put across in the book and I think for me where there's been a lot of healing in my own identity mm. and understanding my own gender and sexuality and relational orientation mm. um, it has really been kind of looking at history and really realizing that there are ancestors you know and there are um, custodians who of the land who've kept that relationship to um, who we are in a way that goes beyond you know that that defies, I would say not beyond, but that defies and is parallel to that kind of settler colonialist capitalist mindset. Mm. So in a way, I know for me, the book was also a way to try and express my gratitude to, you know, all the indigenous people who survived genocide and kind of brought us this history, all the ancestors and elders who have resisted um, kind of having their bodies commodified mm. and squished into these boxes, you know, mm. so all the queer ancestors, for example, mm. and, and how many of those are, you know, women of color, for example, mm. you yeah. know, including trans women of color, how many of those are indigenous folks, and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and we really wanted to put that across in the book as well as we could, yeah. the sense mm. of, um, bre- you know, the sense of uh, space and lineage and connection and, and gratitude for sure yeah. and acknowledgement because often they don't they're not acknowledged yeah. um, in academic theory yeah 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 and towards the end of the book we've got loads about finding your own kind of role models and communities yeah. as well haven't we mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and and sort of a sense of ancestry because yeah it's so like forced into this two boxes i feel really mindful of this at the moment because we had this tv show on uh, recently in the uk which was like a bbc show and it was in a school mm-hmm. and it was um no more boys and girls i think it was called mm-hmm. um and it was so interesting just how gendered the kids in the school were like then they were being gendered all the time by the toys they were being sold you know so that's it it's a big part of marketing it's like we can make so much more money if we have like things aimed at girls and things aimed at boys and they're taught to like clamor to their parents that i need this princess dress or i need this lego or whatever you know and I it was you yeah. explained that really really well in your book the um how the the attitude the attitudes towards people around children mm. uh, wearing blue or pink yeah uh, yes. were so so different but then of course there is then this um, the child then has a relationship with how it is that that's all so yeah. because they're wanting so need so much approval from their primary caregivers yeah they are then kind of responding to that in a way and that's how and their peers that's how you learn to find it pleasurable exactly. right it's like you learn to th- oh that really gives me pleasure now when i look at that magazine or put on those clothes but it's like if you've seen that beautiful image on the disney films time after time and then you see yourself kind of near it near to that image it's sort of like you just you feel that sense of pleasure and that has that's how it kind of gets inside us so it's and really that- hard to unpack Mm-hmm. And that's why I think um, parents and schools could do more in this yeah. area. I mean, often what is said mm-hmm. is about like media effects mm-hmm. on young people is that young people see a media image and that affects them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's a kind of, they are a passive sponge, they're yeah. affected by that, and that's not how it works. It's this really complicated um, relationship mm-hmm. in which media images and lots of other things sit as an influence but it's within that context of mm. your primary most important relationships and how you feel 
accepted and how you feel safe and how you feel loved is all written in the vocabulary of this stuff yeah and i feel like that show did a really good job of like um it was basically about encouraging kids to think more critically about this these kind of things and how they impact them and at first they're quite resistant to it but then they really get into it it's like um right at the beginning of the show all the girls are well all of the kids are saying that boys are better than girls and girls can only be pretty and boys are going to be successful and all of this and then they start to just really nicely challenge it by they got them to do a picture where it's like a picture of like a, was it a magician and a car mechanic and a couple of other roles and mm. the, the kids had to draw them and then they met people who defied the stereotypes so like right. the magician and the yeah. car mechanic were women and the mm. ballet dancer I think was a guy mm. and you know and that just you saw the kids just go through this little compute of like oh I could do that actually yeah. and, and loads of little experiments like that like activities which is the kind of thing we try and put in the book as well just to like oh you could just think a bit differently about this a little bit more critically about these messages mm. um, and yeah it's not like we just take them in as a sponge but if we're encouraged to think more about them and to think more relationally about gender then it gives us a lot more options and I think what's important is that is those kids for whom those gender kind of those rigid gender boxes don't work mm. and we're kind of trying to make them work because kids are really smart and they understand when they're not being approved of by their peers or by parents then they have more space in kind of taking pleasure in kind of you know less gender conforming mm. um interactions and so because we know like well I work with people as well as a therapist so I know from my clients I know from my own history I know from things that you know accounts of people that I read that actually those boxes really um reduce the possibility yeah. of kids expressing their own gender yeah. right there's there can be some quite intense gender policing um often especially for people who are assigned male at birth there can be a lot of quite violent policing yeah. of any effeminate thing, things that are seen as effeminate right yeah. whether they're hobbies whether they're colors and actually what we know is that all young kids love pink yeah actually developmentally that makes sense yeah. and yet boys are taught that yeah. no that's for girls only and so when we broaden that out for all children then maybe those children who don't fit so easily which i would say is probably a lot more yeah than we think <laughs> yeah, yeah. um just can relax and be mm. themselves and figure mm. themselves out without feeling um they have to keep be ashamed of yeah, parts yeah. of themselves which we know never leads to anything good people feeling ashamed of who they are exactly mm-hmm. i think you're saying that in your book that a third of people experience uh their gender as being in some way non-binary that um it's yeah that's daphne joel's research um who found in general population about a third of people thought they were some extent the other gender or both genders or neither gender um so somewhere outside of that binary um so it does seem like it's a lot of people but we don't even know like how many people it would be if if these rules were so much looser um but also it's important to say like whenever i write about this a load of people come in on twitter going oh no you're trying to stop you know boys Mm -hmm. being boys and girls being girls it's like not at all it's you know if if people look at it and think yeah that's where i want to be fantastic it's just about opening up all the options to people so it really is a choice rather than it being actually um, i'm there and i have no idea whether i might be somewhere else if i had the option exactly yeah. and it's not just a choice around identity which is something we talk about in the book mm-hmm. it's also a choice about how we express ourselves right so if i really like to like wear no polish on my toes in the summer mm-hmm. which i discovered the summer actually really do why does that have to be defined by gender yeah. Yeah. or and 
when I talk with people and I was saying that everybody has a gender story, mm. that's what I found actually, that people that uh, identify in the same gender as the sex that they were assigned at birth, so mm. they're often referred to as cis people or mm -hmm. cisgender people, um, who you looking at them, you think, oh, you know, gender fits for them. You know, actually you scratch the surface and then you find mm. all these stories of, I was crushed as a child when I couldn't play this sport or I was crying and that wasn't okay. And then I have all this unresolved grief or I have all this mm. unresolved anger And I actually, oh, if I, you know, I actually maybe would cut my hair differently, would wear different clothes, would say things differently mm. um, if um, there was a little more space. Basically, what they're saying is if there was more space for me to be myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. We're not talking about doing away with gender, mm -hmm. just like. Let's be whatever beautiful, sparkling, unicorn, glittery gender you are <laughs> and let us be okay with that. Yeah. yeah, or be plain cardboard beige gender if that's a thing Absolutely. you want to do as well. Yeah. It's the, I, I should point out at this point that we worked on some of this for schools. We've got yeah. a resource for schools, mm -hmm. do SRE for schools, mm -hmm. although I think that's going to change to do RSE for schools, which RSE. is annoying because oh. it sounds like religious studies. It anyway. does. Um, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, the DO project. The DO project. Yeah. Uh, and there is like, an activity in there which kind of um, re reminded, when I was reading a book, reminded me of, and I think there's probably been a bit of overlap in terms mm -hmm. of like, maybe I stole that idea from you, in fact. But, um, <laughs> Okay. Sorry, yeah. sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, when there's a there's a, a lesson plan in there, looking at spectrums of gender. So mm. we ask people, we like the students are asked to draw up to six different characters, very rich characters, where yeah. they're given a name, they're given, they're, they have to describe their ethnicity, their class, how old they are, mm. where they were born, five words to describe them. Create a rich character, yeah, and then we play moving around these drawings on different spectrums. That is awesome. So masculine to most feminine, but then active to passive mm -hmm. and dominant to submissive. submissive I think yeah. it was. I can't remember, but yeah, um, or like rational to emotional. You can yeah. Put in there. yeah, yeah. And when I've done this with young people, they mm. totally get it. Yeah, and it's yeah. like you know, it's and that's the thing. It's nothing radical in doing that. It's I just know. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, and people. It, uh, amuses me sometimes and I am so sorry if you're listening to this and you're one of those people who said this to me at some point at a conference when full-grown adults say but this sounds so complex and you know I see it's not complex I'm a parent and like you know my kid always got it there were people of many different genders so that when I actually more socially transitioned so use a different pronoun and stuff it wasn't a big deal yeah. and um kids get it i never had a problem with younger children yeah. and um you know, as my child would say it's like you're my mama and you're a he or a they i don't know what the world doesn't get about that um <laughs> you know that's just the way it is yeah. and yeah. it's like it's just the way it is when you tell children this is who i am yeah. they take it at face value unless they've had some really strong messaging about that's wrong yeah, yeah. right yeah, yeah. absolutely so um, another thing that I really liked about your book was that you weren't afraid to tell your personal gender stories throughout it, mm -hmm. uh, which I really dug. Um, okay. I guess that was kind of a bit different to our book about yeah. sex, that we're kind of like, I I'm certainly iffy about talking about my sex life. In, yeah. Because I don't know, I guess I'm a sex educator with young people and it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I have like a boundary there around that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I really enjoyed reading your stories about gender and mm. uh, and I think it was really it it really gives this kind of really friendly inclusive tone and like 
that whole like that you're doing this and you're you're critiquing this and it's a journey and it's very incremental and it's an ongoing process gave yeah. a really lovely friendly tone I was really into that I mean I suppose we do in a sense you and I do do that too Justin and that we're always very open that you know our sex lives are also a journey and oh, that yeah. you and I aren't experts in the, yeah. you know a lot of ways we're still fumbling our yeah. way through this uh, nope sometimes <laughs> literally um, <laughs> and um, you know it's the same with gender but I really appreciated that Alex and I could put some of our more personal stories in there because it was I think it just brings it to life a bit for the readers and I just think that is where there's a difference really between the topics of gender and sex because I think yeah. sex is just seen as still so frighteningly taboo in our mm. culture that actually is talk open about your own sexual desires in a book like that it would it would kind of take away somehow because it would just be so full-on for readers because we're not used to having those frank yeah. discussions whereas with gender I think there's a little bit more liberty to do that I don't know what you think Alex but. yeah I definitely agree and I think for me there's also this level of um, privilege right I have this life where I'm so supported by people around me and my community and and you know, I am white passing in the U.S. and I'm very highly educated. You know, nobody's going to come after me as a parent, I hope. And if they do, I'm pretty sure I could withstand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to kind of be a bit more open with my story, for me, it's also um, about um, letting other people know that, you know, yes, some of us are struggling and, and many of us for many reasons cannot be that open. Yeah. It is not as safe for everybody to be as open about who they are and, yeah. and even mm-hmm. I'm really nervous. I mean, Mac John and I talked about this, like I was telling Mac John, for me it's really hard to have a book that's mm. visible out there mm. because of my own history mm. and um, there is something about being trans, being queer that it's almost in my bones intergenerationally mm. now I'm a target and mm. what's going to happen you know mm. they're going to come after me because they do come after trans and queer people yeah. they do come after black and brown people right and so it's those of us who get to tell our stories um, you know it is a privilege and some of us at least I know keep doing it because we have to mm. we have to let people know you know there have been ancestors who kept doing this and we have to let people know no there have always been queer people there have always mm-hmm. been yeah. gender expansive people mm-hmm. we've always been here we're not going anywhere even if it is scary because we live in a dominant culture where being visible might make you a target mm. so there's almost this mm. like um um competing impulse for yeah, me yeah. of like really wanting to be authentic and present and open mm-hmm. and at the same time really like feeling this buzzy anxiety and fear about mm-hmm. having this thing out there with yeah. with personal stories yeah. uh, and yet I, we just had to do it it's yeah. just who we are yeah. Yeah. I think right <laughs> I think so and like you say for those who have got the privilege to do it then you can almost model it for those who maybe can't yet you know but it makes i suppose i'm I'm really aware of the people who i look who were being open about their non-binary genders like 10 years ago five years ago who then i was like oh my gosh this is a thing and you can actually do it you can actually have they pronouns and and if they hadn't done that i would never have got there so i kind of want to be able to be that person and also just to show like that it's really okay to think about your gender journey and also like struggle along the way and you know maybe think of things in one way and then five years later it's a little bit different like these are the kind of things we wanted to show in our book and if we hadn't have maybe had our own stories in there it wouldn't have been quite walking the walk in the 
way that we wanted to with this book. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it is kind of breaking, like then we would have come across as we're experts, yeah. because we're therapists <laughs> yeah. and scholars. Let us tell you about gender. And that's, that, that doesn't feel good to me. That's definitely yeah. not where I'm coming from at all. And, and it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's also breaking down a little bit of this. Um, there's so many weird and false binaries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a therapist have that moment of like oh what if one of my clients reads this book and Mm -hmm. finds out more about me and then I thought huh yeah what if like I'm a human then Mm -hmm. I guess we'll process it it's Mm -hmm. something that's out there but we have this idea that to be a professional is to be completely separate um, from Mm -hmm. being open about personal life and I guess there's some ways in which I am still an old-fashioned feminist about the personal is political right that who we are matters. Mm. This is not just about mm. um, some experts writing about genders that are not their own. This is about we've gone through a journey and we have been inspired by people. Like, uh, you know, if I think about, you know, Kate Bornstein and Pakalifia yeah. and Prince and yeah. Miss Major, like, mm-hmm. you know, people who I was like, yes, oh, people <laughs> that have genders and sexualities that resonate, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just so needed. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it just uh, in the book, it doesn't come across as it's not a memoir. It's no, just no. that yeah. it's like yeah. um, it's a, it's a, you're briefly kind of telling us your gender stories as a way of inviting the reader to tell their own gender story yeah. first yes. of all to themselves, and then maybe they can start to have gen- tell gender stories. I mean, mm. I talk about gender with my mates out of the pub, but they don't realise it. But, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and there's the rule that what's said at the pub stays at the pub, but we'll know. <laughs> We've all had that, had that conversation, but it's yeah. like. It's kind of opening up that um, all the different intersections that mm-hmm. are at play when we're thinking about our gender. Yeah. And um, and those intersections might be like class, disability, ethnicity. That's right, right. And exactly. you can you can list off those things, yeah. but it doesn't. You should bring it to life. You need to give mm-hmm. an example. And we thought, well, for that particularly, that's where we'll use our own examples because we can really talk about the nuances of yeah how does being you know like middle class but in a more working class context and when you're gender non-normative and how does all that weave together with like having hearing problems and like these are all parts yeah. of my story and it's like um you know it's a complex thing and like to it'd be hard to explain it without a really detailed example and that's where somebody else's example isn't right you know absolutely because yeah. i think they're using somebody else's example then it goes back to this idea of colonial capitalist knowledge right that we're commodifying other people's stories mm. other people's bodies and knowledge and using them as data rather than actually saying no we we're and like you said it's not a memoir but we really wanted to also be as authentic and vulnerable as we're asking our readers to be if they choose to engage mm-hmm. with the book in that way yeah. and I think it's kind of like um, a bit like the approach generally is is not to put ourselves up as experts I think re- yeah. re- like really I think really bad sex educators and sex advisors are those who are determined <laughs> they've got all these techniques and tricks that work for everyone or uh-huh. uh, and I was talking about this today with a, with a colleague you know the idea that a teacher can go into a classroom and have three learning outcomes from a lesson around consent and you'll yeah. leave the, you'll leave the lesson with these three learning outcomes in your head and then everything will be okay no mm. yeah like we need to be breaking we're any kind of work around sex, gender, sexuality, relationships, we need to be kind of breaking this idea down of there being a like a canon, like you mm-hmm. know, the, with the idea that we yes. need to learn a lot of stuff, but to critique things and to learn this critical thinking and to have space to talk to each other about it yeah. and to reflect on it for ourselves. That's what we need to do. That's the thing that works, right? Yeah, 
totally yeah. <laughs> absolutely and and then it's also like if i've learned something why wouldn't i tell everybody about it right mm -hmm. it's yeah. the idea the knowledge yeah. is collective yeah. rather you know and and coming from more of a, an abundance culture rather than a scarcity culture right mm. we've gone through our own gender journeys and we learned a lot not just for our own individual journeys but for our work as therapists as mm -hmm. teachers as scholars and why wouldn't we want to share this yeah. Yeah. kind of more broadly mm -hmm. So I very much recommend getting hold of this book, dear listener. Uh, so go give us that title again. How to Understand Your Gender. A Practical Guide for Exploring Who You Are. Yeah. I think it's a really killer title, Thank I have you. to say. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of that. It's just these long titles. It takes you a while to remember them yourself. Because we were yeah. the same with us, weren't we? It was like, yeah. is it if, when, then how? Or how, when, then if? if. Yeah. And if, is that a capital letters or italics? It is capital letters, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we should give a shout out to our publishers because yes. they've been really amazing. And actually, they have a whole list about gender and gender diversity and it's Jessica Kingsley publishers Jessica Kingsley publishers who are, we are on Friday signing a contract for our next book together mm. Life Isn't Binary ta-da so <laughs> next time Alex is over next summer we might be able to talk a bit about that one yeah. <laughs> yes we're writing more dear listeners we're writing all the books well, I mean thank god there's somebody else who, who was here helping MJ write all these books because yeah, I can't help them write I need, I need some time off from writing books absolutely and that's how I feel that's the beauty of um, you know relationship anarchy or polyamorous yeah. relationships you don't have to do it all Sorry. one person doesn't have to meet all your needs and I'm really glad that you know Mac John has got you in the UK when we can't communicate as easily yeah. during time difference we have to go yeah. several months without seeing each other but exactly. Justin and I can meet every week exactly yeah. and you're like just the most fabulous madam author that I could have asked for <laughs> likewise I'm feeling very feeling very mushy um so, should we bring this to a close? Is there any, anything else burning we want to say no, that's about that's gender good. or authorship? Or? That's, that's <laughs> all good. That was a lovely way to end. <laughs> if, uh, of course, if you want to find out more about relationship anarchy and different styles of relationships, you can check out our zine. Oh, yes. That's <laughs> right. Selling. Yes. Always selling. Yeah. Um, which is available at our website, megjohnandjustin.com forward slash publications. Forward slash publications. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Twitter and Twitters Meg John Justin correct you've been doing a lot of very very good tweets <laughs> I'm tweeting now I'm yeah. getting on tweet deck yeah and I'm tweeting out a storm so that's we're doing a lot more tweeting from Meg John Justin now so Yay. look out for, look out for yeah. our tweets um, <laughs> and we're on Facebook uh, which is like Meg John Justin 2 soundcloud.com forward slash Meg John Justin if you want to subscribe or leave a comment or yeah. something ask a question ask a question yep um, then feel free and um, with that, until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>